0: Live from the Old Church Concert Hall in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. From the moment I laid eyes on him, on the first day of seventh grade, I fell in love with Billy. Billy. Billy had these big brown eyes and these beautiful eyelashes and this cute little smile. And he was the star of our football team. He was charming and outgoing. He came from a wealthy family. He lived in this big house in this fancy neighborhood. And everyone wanted to be around Billy, and so did I. And for the next 10 years, I spent my whole world revolving around Billy, or my whole universe revolved around him. By the eighth grade, uh, we were dating, and I was pretty soon spending all of my time over at his house and pretty much ignoring my family. Billy was like the alpha male of our little suburban Kansas City neighborhood. And so I guess that made me pretty cool too. Billy could do no wrong in my eyes. I was completely infatuated with Billy. And while he was good looking and had a lot of charisma, Billy also had a dark side. And Billy liked to beat people up, and he liked to steal things. And when he started to drive, he would drive his daddy's Porsche around like a maniac, and I would literally risk my life every time I got in that car with Billy. In his bedroom, he had this fish tank uh, filled with piranhas, and he liked to feed them live mice. And we'd sit there and watch as they tore these little mice to shreds. And I would watch too. I thought Billy was pretty damn cool. I was in love with Billy. I did everything for Billy. I dressed for Billy. I starved myself for Billy. I lived for Billy. Billy could do no wrong. So we continued to date throughout high school and college, and as the time went by, as we got older, Billy's behavior got crazier and crazier. But I loved Billy, um, and it didn't faze me, I guess. (laughs) And uh, we both graduated from college, and a couple months later, um, we got married. And we had this big elaborate wedding that his parents paid for. And we moved into this nice townhouse that his parents paid for, and we drove these fancy cars, parents paid for. And I thought life was pretty damn good. I was gonna go on living like this with Billy for who knows how long. But things got a little worse. First of all, Billy now had a mullet. He was bodybuilding, so he was injecting steroids, and that only made him more aggressive. And he was now dealing drugs. And so we were going out pretty much every night to the bar so that he could develop his business. And almost all of those nights, it would end up with him beating up someone. And one time I actually saw him throw a guy through a car window, and we just got back in our car and drove home. He drove this Mustang that he had gotten for his graduation, a brand new black Mustang that he actually had installed a nitrous tank in, and you'd press a button, and it would accelerate, and it would shoot flames out the back. Pretty low-key for a drug dealer, right? I mean... (laughs) We had two pit bulls for protection from who knows what. Um, We were... Our life was crazy. It was like a a bad episode of Breaking Bad. I don't know. It was out of control. And I I knew that I needed to leave Billy, um, and I was scared. I knew he was cheating on me. I'd find phone numbers in his pockets. And finally, uh, after a series of pretty awful events, I got up the courage, and I left him. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. But now, who was I? I did not know who I was. I had um, built my identity around Billy as being Billy's girlfriend. And I had alienated myself from my family and my friends. I had no money. I didn't have a car anymore. I had to give that back. I had no plans, really, for my future at all. And so I moved back home uh, with my parents for a while, and then I thought, well, maybe I'll get out of town. A change of scenery would do me good. So I moved to Milwaukee, and then I moved to Denver, and I worked a series of waitressing jobs and lived in some pretty bad basement apartments. And by this time, I was now driving this beat-up old Mustang, or not Mustang, uh, Volkswagen that um, had the side bashed in. Um, I'd gotten an accident before I left and I didn't have the money to get it fixed, so I was driving that and uh, every time you turn on the the blinkers the horn would honk (laughs) It was like a metaphor for my life, I guess (laughs) and so I would scour the want ads every Sunday trying to find a job and I got this idea in my head that I would be a pharmaceutical sales. I thought I'd be pretty good I had a lot of experience selling pharmace- or in pharmaceuticals <laughs> and uh, I got an interview and they said you don't have any sales experience So I thought well, I'm gonna go get some So I drove that beat-up car all over the Rocky Mountains trying to get sales experience I tried to sell water filters door-to-door. I tried to sell signs to small businesses. I <laughs> Failed miserably. I think I sold one sign, no water filters. Um, and all of this was on commission, and I just felt deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. I was broke. I was very depressed. I felt like a failure. So by this time, it had been about three years or so since I had left Billy, and every day was literally struggle to survive, and I'd look in the mirror every day, and I'd ask myself, how in the hell did you get here? (laughs) Like I knew I was smart. I had done really well in high school and college. I got straight A's. I had a degree in biochemistry. I had been a competitive gymnast. Um, I, I knew I had potential, but I had literally squandered it away with Billy. I had built my whole world around him, and I didn't know who I was. And I was just looking for a break. I was looking for a, an opportunity to save my life, pretty much. And so one day, I saw an ad in the paper for a research assistant position at the medical school. And I got an interview with the head of the cardiac surgery department. And all I remember is that he said I was hired, because he was from Missouri, I was from Kansas. And he said, you know, I know you're going to work hard. You know." we Midwesterners, we work really hard, that hard, you know, work ethic, and so there it was. I had this opportunity to prove myself, and I grabbed that job like a lifeline, and I did the best I could with that. And now this job, it's kind of hard to explain. We were doing research, and we were working with rats, and my role was to inject the rats with a poison. Now all you people out there I'm sorry but it is in the name of science but my job was to inject the rat at time zero and then six hours later I would dissect it and I'd run the experiment and we did this for a couple months we got some great data and so then we theorized an antidote to the poison so time zero inject the rat three hours later inject it again and then six hours later dissect the rat which would take all day to run the experiment Well, if you do the math, you'll see that I was pretty much booked with rats for 24 hours a day. And this might not have been so bad, but I was still waitressing because I was still so broke and still trying to pay off my debt. So I was waitressing every night, every evening. So my solution to this was I thought I'd just take the rat with me to the restaurant. (laughs) So at the end of my workday at the lab, I would put a little rat, kind of a medium-sized rat, in a cage, and I'd cover it with a towel, and I'd sneak it out the back stairs, and I'd put it in my backseat in my car, and I'd drive it to the restaurant, and then I'd work my shift, and sometimes it would go to the bar with me, because we might have a cocktail after. But always at midnight, I needed to reach in that cage and grab the rat and inject it, and then I'd set my alarm for three hours later, reach in that cage again, inject the rat, Three hours later, 6 a.m., get up, go to the lab, splay this little rat out on (laughs) on a piece of cardboard. It was euthanized by now. Uh, But I dissect out its heart and lungs, and then I'd run the experiment during the day. And this went on five days a week for a whole year. What the hell was I thinking? (laughs) But at the end of that year, I was a new person. I had really done a lot. I felt pretty proud of myself. And we actually did uh, made some uh, good headway with our experiments. We published five papers, and my name was on every single one of them. And um, at the end of that year, my, my boss uh, took me to lunch, and he said, you know, gosh, you know, we did such a great job, that was so great. and and then it you kind of dawned on him to, you know, like, how did you do... Wait, how were you going to your job and doing all? And I said, you know, remember, it's that strong Midwestern work ethic we got. <laughs> so at... It, yeah, brah, I went to med school. They um, referred me or they recommended me, my boss and my colleagues... Um, recommended me to med school and I got accepted and I went the following year and um, I've been a doctor now for about 20 years and I've had a pretty good career I've been a primary care internist and I'm currently a hospitalist and when I think back about those five years um, while I would not want to repeat them um, I can honestly say I'm pretty darn grateful that I had them, Um, because I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about humility, a lot about empathy towards myself and towards others. And I learned that I didn't need to rely on anyone else's opinion to have self-respect and self-worth. And a few years ago, I went back to my 30th high school reunion. I saw Billy, and Billy, turns out, is just an ordinary guy. Billy, <laughs> you know, that guy had been the center of my universe and had made such a major influence in my life, was this suburban dad. He has five kids, doesn't have a mullet anymore. In fact, he doesn't really have any hair. He had these little granny glasses on. He was pretty ordinary. And I gotta say, I felt nothing. Well, that's not actually true. I I wanted to punch, punch him in the face, but I didn't. And he came up to me and he kind of put his arm around me and he said, hey, buddy, it's been a long time. And I turned to him and I said, you know what? My name's not Buddy. My name's Dr. Han. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.